1: This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Superstar Frank Morano. We're going to do commendations in just a minute where I will give a uh, pat on the back to people that I think deserve one for doing something that is laudatory. I must... uh, First, let me give a uh, a shout-out, while not a formal commendation. I I must give a public job well done to our own uh, Matt Blaze. Uh, Matt unlike most people in America, did not take a single day off for the Thanksgiving holiday. And he's someone that has been asked to do a lot more since Kenneth left. He's had to take over most, if not all of Kenneth's responsibilities and uh, has done a very good job in doing so under very, very trying circumstances, been asked to, Step up in a big way, do a lot more work, and I'm not sure he's gotten any more money. And uh, honestly, not a single day off from uh, Thanksgiving or anything like that. And on Friday, especially with myself and a lot of the other hosts broadcasting remotely, there was, and of all days, I think one or two people that were supposed to be working in that shift. Called out sick. Matt basically was doing the job of uh, of three people. So, um, and then I thought for sure he would not remember to print these articles that I had sent for commendations. And I was going to sort of jab him on that. Sure enough, you know what I'm holding? Stack of articles. Stack of articles. I
2: hope they're the right articles.
1: Yeah. So do I. Especially after that. Um, did you get to relax at all over the weekend? Uh, I
2: did. Event? I did relax. I did what you did. Um, Early this morning, I put up a Christmas tree and decorated it. I did. You do the fake tree? Aren't yeah. you Jewish, though? Yeah. But, you know, since my better half is not Jewish, it gave me the excuse to have a Christmas I tree. I say, Well, good for you. That's good. Okay. No, and
1: I tree. see, um, is Tony out sick? Yes. By the way. So, um, he Very did, sick. He didn't get you sick on Friday. I know you were nervous about that.
2: No, this is why I told him not to come in the control room at all on Friday.
1: Well, I'm glad that he's staying home uh, when he's sick, but we have uh, Broadway Bill Lee in his stead. Uh, how's it going, Bill? Thanks for coming in. Appreciate your efforts and uh, you know, I appreciate I know these hours are tough, but I appreciate you being willing to pitch in. Thank you. Uh, if you want to talk to Bill, you can do so. 9222. Hey, this is the only the other thing I'll mention before we go to commendations. I don't know how many times I've had to say this. I feel like the guy that used to do the this is your brain on drugs commercials, you know, where he'd fry the egg. Okay, last time. This is your brain. You know, know the commercial. Emails are for email. SMS text messages are for SMS text messages. And I feel silly having to repeat this, but you can text me whenever you want. Just shoot me a text at eight one six eight Morano. It's eight one six eight M O R A N L. The reason I say that is because there's three or four listeners that are always sending text messages to me through my email address. And it's really annoying. Because I have to open that as an attachment rather than just see it come up on my phone. And then if they try to send a picture or something or if there's a picture that's relevant to whatever they're making a comment about, it doesn't come up for me because they're sending it through my email. If you are sending something as a text message, send it as a text message. Simple as that. If you're texting... Use 8168 Moreno. Do not email. If you're emailing, use frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. Simple as that. The other thing is, this is, there's really only one offender. There's maybe two. I love it when people send me articles. And 80 to 90% of them are articles that I've already seen. But I'd say 10 to 20% of them are things that I haven't seen. And a lot of them are things that I end up mentioning, they're things that wind up on this program. So even if they're articles that I've seen, keep sending them because uh, what the one time you don't send an article that would make a compelling talk topic, chances are that's the one time I'll have missed it. But there's this one guy that he sends me maybe 20 or 30 emails a day. Each email is a separate article, basically a link to a news story. If you're going to do that, and if you want to send me 20, 30 news articles, great. Why send 20 or 30 emails? I say to this guy, his name's Robert, I say to this guy, send me one email and throw in all the articles that you want me to see in the email. It doesn't have to be one email per article. It's really irritating. It just fills up my email box. And especially, I use email to kind of um, plan my uh, schedule, because when I get um, 80 emails done, that's where I'm going to make a list of things that I need to do for the show. When I have 70 emails done, I'm going to read a chapter of my book. When I have 60 unread emails open, uh, or uh, the 60 unread emails to get to, that's when I'll write in my journal. When I have 50 unread emails, that's when I'll exercise. When I have 40 emails, so by... Getting my email box cluttered with all all this stuff, which could easily just be one email, it totally screws up my work productivity. Um, so that's my request. Do you know why that happens? Because they read the article and, and they, they click the, share. Right, exactly. Yeah. But uh, is it that much more effort? It, especially if you know you're going to send me a bunch of articles, which this guy does every day. If you know that you're going to send me a bunch of articles, just open an email, open a brand new email, Frank.Morano at Red Apple Audio Networks, hey, and then just stack them in there. Copy, paste. Exactly. Link by link. Right. Or think, what you know, just boom. One at a time. I agree. I, I just, I don't get it.
2: Just the way I printed your list. You exactly. have all, all the links.
1: Right. That's a great. In the same that's, email. That's a perfect example. I don't send Matt the list of articles that I'd like him to print one article at a time. I send him one email with all the articles that I'd like printed and I say, please print these. That's it. No reason you can't do that. Simple. Simple. All right. Um, Let's get to the commending, shall we? It is time for... The Other
0: Side of Midnight presents... Commendations.
1: Let me uh, begin by commending the Taliban. Yes, the Taliban. They're terrible. They're Islamic fundamentalists. They don't respect women's rights. They've closed nail salons. They're horrible. But you know where they have just done an incredible job since taking over? They have destroyed opium production in Afghanistan. Opium poppy production in Afghanistan, which used to be the world's top supplier, has plummeted since the Taliban took over and banned the cultivation of narcotics. How much has it plummeted? Opium poppy supply has plummeted 95%. I mean, that is incredible. It's just extraordinary. Now, this is not without other areas because sometimes this is leading to people that were looking forward to the good old-fashioned natural opium and opioids to pursue synthetic opiates. But I, I think this is a pretty impressive track record in terms of managing the drug trade in their country. And I think it's going to lead to a lot of these drugs being more expensive and hopefully fewer people doing them. But you got to give the devil his due. And I think the Taliban, they know how to get the drug trade under control. They certainly do. All right, I want to commend popcorn. Uh, I am terrified of one day suffering with dementia. I, the, the thing that I pride myself on is having a very good memory. And the thing that I entertain myself the most with is my memory. And I I could, I really do think, I'm not volunteering for this, but I really do think I could do well in solitary confinement because I am playing movies in my head all the time of things that I've done, things that I've seen, things that I've read, things that I've heard. And I just play them in my head all day long. I can sit and amuse myself without anything and one of the things that i've always been terrified about is dementia and new research published in the journal neurology on wednesday found that people who ate more whole grains were eight and a half years younger cognitively than those who ate smaller amounts you know what a whole grain is popcorn So new research suggests that incorporating whole grains like popcorn into the diet is associated with a lower risk of cognitive decline. This is incredible. Whole grains included in the study were some breads and cereals, quinoa and popcorn. One serving of whole grains was defined as one ounce of food, which would be about one slice of bread a half cup of cooked pasta or rice, an ounce of crackers, or a cup of dry cereal. And this was done by researchers at Rush University in Chicago. It, this seems pretty pretty convincing to me. So if you want to stave off dementia, have some popcorn. I want to commend the owners of an Oakland barbecue joint Um. They gave away 150 turkeys for Thanksgiving. Okay, what's the big deal? They gave away 150 turkeys after a fire burned down their restaurant. So I want to give a full-throated commendation to Horn Barbecue, particularly the pit master and award-winning chef Matt Horn, Matt Horn and his team handed out 150 Thanksgiving turkeys and vowed to rebuild their flagship business. It's always worth celebrating people giving away uh, turkeys to charity like this, but especially when you just lost your business to a fire. Very, very impressive. Unfortunately, I have to give a posthumous commendation to Casey McIntyre. Casey McIntyre's passed away. She was a New Yorker. She was diagnosed with ovarian cancer in 2019, and she lost her life just uh, just about two weeks ago. 38 years old. Ugh, oh, hate to hear this. But in the days leading up to her death, she urged friends to donate to a campaign that would cancel the medical debt of strangers. By the time of her death, that campaign raised enough to pay off nearly $19 million in debt and has since tripled its impact. So before she died, Ms. McIntyre wrote on Twitter that she was arranging to buy up others' medical debt and then destroy it to celebrate her life. Now, I mean, that's an incredibly impressive person who takes a cancer diagnosis and uses it as an opportunity to wipe out other people's medical debt. Very, very impressive. Uh, I also want to give a, a posthumous commendation to Jeffrey Holt. Jeffrey Holt is an impressive person. He died earlier this year with a secret. No, he didn't have a secret second family somewhere. He died with the secret that he was a multi-millionaire. Here was a guy who was an unassuming caretaker of a mobile home home park in Hinsdale, New Hampshire, where he lived a simple but curious life. People would see him around town in threadbare clothes, riding his lawnmower, heading to the convenience store, parked along the main road, reading a newspaper or watching cars pass. He left his entire 3.8 million dollar fortune to a his small community. And he left this small town in New Hampshire millions. 3.8 million dollars to the town of Hinsdale, New Hampshire to benefit the communities in the community in the areas of education, health, recreation, and culture. I mean, this is really impressive. And this is money in a small town like this that is going to go quite far. This man is a man among men. And if there is a heaven, you can bet your bottom dollar that Jeffrey Holt is there. Didn't even want the credit while he was alive for doing this. I want to give a commendation to a teenager by the name of Lauren Schroeder, who grew, who has grown seven thousand pounds of vegetables to donate them. She volunteered at a community nonprofit at the age of fourteen, and since then she was inspired to make a difference for families in need of fresh vegetables. So she has been growing vegetables for years and giving them away. She started a garden in a half-acre area on her parents' farm, growing lettuce, carrots, tomato, zucchini. And while her mom was supportive, she made her aware how much work this would take. Still, she was up for the challenge. So uh, she got a grant from the National FFA Organization, which promotes agricultural education to pay for seeds and gardening supplies, but she did all the work herself. Her efforts have paid off. Her first harvest resulted in 40 pounds of produce that she then donated to eight local charities, including food banks, a soup kitchen, and a nursing home. And uh, she's just kept it up. So far, 7,000 pounds of vegetables, which she has happily... Donated. I want to commend Dolly Parton. You know, I was surprised. I was at a a thing on Friday and some people said they didn't think that it was appropriate for Dolly Parton at her age to be dressed like a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. I completely disagree. I think, um, you know, Dolly Parton at 77 years old is sending the message that you can be a more mature woman, an older woman. And still be sexy, which she was. So I, I am not just giving her a commendation for that, but I'm giving her a commendation for her new album. I think it's great that at this point in her career, she's still producing new music, but especially for her $1 million donation to the Salvation Army. I mean, and she has, she donated a million dollars to the Salvation Army Red Kettle campaign. And she's encouraged other people to do so as well. I think this is great. I'm a big supporter of the Salvation Army. I'm a donor to the Salvation Army. I've raised a lot of money for the Salvation Army over the years. And uh, I think it's great that Dolly Parton is not just putting her money where her her mouth is, but encouraging other people to do likewise. So uh, this is a triple commendation for Dolly Parton. One, you know, showing off her body at 77 years old. Two, for the new album, and three, for making that donation to the Salvation Army. I want to commend um, Jeff Hainus. This gentleman is a hero truck driver. An Illinois woman was parked in front of Jeff Haynes, who's a, a truck driver. And Haynes was calmly sitting on the side of the road in his cement truck, listening to classical Chinese violin music. All of a sudden, a woman pulls up in front of his truck, gets out, and gives the international symbol that her airwaves were being blocked. Two hands on the neck. So Haynes, a former Army infantryman, doesn't know this woman, but he jumps into action, performs the Heimlich maneuver, three thrusts up and in from under the rib cage, which dislodged the piece of food that was choking her. Saved her life. Saved a stranger's life. Love it. I want to give a commendation to longtime Borough Hall staffer on Staten Island and former deputy Borough President Eddie Burke. Eddie Burke is retiring. Um, after decades of working in Borough Hall. I know this might be a little too local of a commendation, but I think public service is something to be proud of. And if you do it well, and you work hard at it, and you work honestly at it, I think that's something to be celebrated in every community. And I'm sure there are people like Eddie Burke in every community, but Eddie Burke has worked for Borough President Guy Molinari. Borough President James Molinero as the Deputy Borough President, Borough President James Otto as the Deputy Borough President, and now as a staffer to Vito Fasella. Those are one, two, three, four different men with vastly different views of how that office of Borough President should be. And the fact that Eddie was able to thrive with his own style in all four of those administrations is remarkably impressive And uh, I'm wishing him the best of luck in his retirement. And he's a great guy. I don't know Eddie super well, but I know him a long time. And uh, he is a wonderful, wonderful guy. I want to commend Marvin McLaren, a dad of four, who's an MTA bus driver whose fatherly instincts kicked in early Monday. When he helped reunite a six-year-old girl and her 11-year-old brother with their parents after they boarded his bus in East New York before sunrise wearing pajamas and shorts. Marvin is a dad of four, and he said he was stunned when he saw the two kids alone at a bus stop and as his bus pulled up just before 5.15 a.m. said his first thought was, what are they doing out here this time of morning? Why are they not with anyone, and why don't they have coats on? So, the children were in good condition, and there doesn't appear to be any criminality, but the 48-year-old bus driver said the little boy who had on shorts, socks, and rubber slippers politely asked if he and his little sister could have a ride after boarding the bus without paying, then guided his pajama-clad sibling to the back where he opened up his book bag and took out some candy. Marvin said he was very intrigued, and he kept an eye on the two while waiting to see if someone was waiting for them at any stop along his route. And he wasn't going to let them off until he knew they were safe. Once the bus arrived at the end of the route, McLaren said he approached the kids and asked where they were headed. Their response? On an adventure to Target. The bus driver says, Target isn't open this time of the morning. So you guys are going to stay with me for a little while because it's cold outside. So then he notifies the MTA supervisors and the transport workers union. The bus operator gave the 11-year-old boy a jacket and handed a sweater to his sister. He gave her a cell phone so she could watch YouTube videos, and he told them to stay in front of the bus where it's warm, and they just kept saying they were going on an adventure to Target. So I thankfully they were able to get these kids reunited back where they were supposed to be with their families I don't know the details of their fami- family situation but apparently they're safe and sound and uh, it's easy to see this going another way if there were not someone as eagle-eyed as Marvin McLaren on that bus um, and finally I want to commend Britain Britain has won the World Cup. Well, not that World Cup. Britain has won, or the UK, has won the World Cup of Littering. Yes, they... um, Britain beat out 21 teams from around the world in picking up trash. So it's the opposite of littering. Picking up litter. In the inaugural Spogomi World Cup in Tokyo... And it's a contest that's aimed at raising awareness of environmental issues. And apparently, the British, they pick up garbage better than any country on Earth, at least any of the ones that were participating in this contest. Very impressive. Congratulations to the United Kingdom and to all of this week's recipients of a commendation. If you have a comment on someone that I have commended, you're welcome to give me a call, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight, straight ahead.
0: The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Side of Midnight with Frank Marano.
3: I tumble out a bit and I stumble to the kitchen. Pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping out on the street. Traffic starts jumping with folks like me on the job from nine to five. Working nine to five. What a-
2: how do you not
1: love dolly park i mean only one dolly am i right All right, uh, we're going to get to your calls in a minute. There's one open line if you want to jump on board, 800-848-9222. You can also find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash MoranoFan. Posted a photo of my son over the weekend for his second birthday. He was born two years ago on Thanksgiving, so I believe his birthday is on Thanksgiving. My wife believes his birthday is on November 25th. So we had a uh, party for him on Saturday. And uh, it was a lot of fun. We mostly just invited uh, other uh, children, other children from the neighborhood, you know, and other people that have children around his age and family. So there were a lot of people that didn't make the cut. My wife was very tough with this guest list, but somehow we still ended up with 50 people. And, uh, you know, we don't have a tremendously large house. In fact, recently... My wife told me that the we have a smaller-than-average house in terms of square footage. So we didn't want everybody inside because it would get pretty cramped. So we got this bouncy house, which is almost like a, a trampoline, but it was cars-themed. My son loves anything to do with cars. He loves playing with cars. He loves looking at cars. He likes both real cars and Matchbox cars. Loves cars. He will sit there, you know, all day long and just play with cars. So it was a cars-themed bouncy house, which he seemed to really enjoy, and so did uh, a lot of the other children that came, which was nice. And uh, I did something I very rarely do. I, had a, I never drink soda, but I had, I think, two sodas. Two sodas. My wife made me promise two things. Uh, in addition to, you know, helping run the party and helping bartend and stuff. She said, don't get drunk, which I was not going to anyway. And she said, do not put on the television any wrestling documentaries. Those were her two criteria. So I, I didn't touch television. And then um, I did put on for the after party, for anyone that still happened to be there at 7 o'clock, I did put on the Survivor Series But, you know, nobody really watches. It's fine. And uh, my thinking was, all right, just so I have something to hold for the first two hours of this party, let me drink water. And then I see all these other people drinking soda. So let me have a Diet Coke. I have a Diet Coke or two. And uh, that was fun. You know, one of the things that I was really hoping, I have a very close friend, uh, Brian Silverstein, and he's Jewish. He's spoken out on the show before about how I'm not anti-Semitic. And I have a neighbor who has, you know, has children who's Muslim. And I had hoped that they would both be at the party and that we could stage a photograph of Brian Silverstein shaking hands with my Muslim neighbor. He, I'm not going to mention his name because he guards his privacy very closely and carefully. And we could share that photo on social media showing Brian and um, this other fella that they can reach across faiths and send a message to the world. But my other, my neighbor didn't end up coming, so we weren't able to get that interfaith photo shown. But it was a nice party nonetheless. My mom got him this a very elaborate birthday cake. I'm not even going to ask her how much this cake uh, cost, but it was a cake in the shape of a two with this very elaborate car design on it and actual physical cars on the cake. So my son had not much interest in the cake, but he did have a great deal of interest in the cars. And When I say cars, they were toy cars on the cake, in the cars that were on the cake. So he was trying to grab at all the cars rather than... Rather than uh, respond to everybody singing him happy birthday, but I think it was a lot of fun. I think it was a lot of fun and uh, it was uh when you have a lot of people, it's tough to manage. It's also difficult to spend a lot of time with all of your guests, but I think we we managed it as appropriately as we could, and he seemed to have a lot of fun so i, I if we if he had fun, we had fun. that was our weekend. So Thursday was Thanksgiving. We were out on Eastern Long Island. Friday, we went to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania to my cousin Joanne's and spent time with uh, my cousins out there. Saturday, we did Carmine's birthday party. Sunday, we did Christmas decorations. So it was a whirlwind weekend. That's us. 800-848-9222. William is in Manhattan. What's on your mind, William.
0: Hey Frank, I want to say thank you. You have a marriage license that you have to deal with and the reason why that is is you know that once you are married you have no rights. The baby takes over everything and your wife and they want to deface the identity of American society freedom. Do you know that?
1: I, I don't, I'm not sure I follow. Who wants to deface the I, society? I'm break
0: it down to you quite okay. simply Thank and you. frankly. I'm talking about once you commit yourself to something, as far as a marriage, which is production of life, Adam and Eve, I'm talking about people, and giving your talent out. I'm a stand-up comedian, and I belong to John the Baptist Church. I'm talking about life. And when you paint a picture, you share it. It's like Picasso. People don't understand the reality of life they're too much into themselves that's what i'm saying
1: all right well so i I think i'm taking it as a sincere compliment then william
0: it's more than a compliment the reality is that people live in a dream world and if you're not expressive towards relating to everybody, like my mother, I had to come out, find out I came out of her body. I can't tell her what to, what to put inside of it, like her husband, which is my stepfather, or my three crazy sisters, or my co-workers in comedy. You know, I've been in comedy for years, but life is reality. It's not a joke. And I, I, I you entertain me, and I gotta deal with the whole world. And if I don't make them laugh, they feel like, They're crying if I don't say hello to them.
1: I feel like you're very intense to be a comedian, William. Well, it's not the intense. I'm the only
0: boy and there's three girls, and I never had time to breathe. I always had to be the leader, and it's very hard when you have that position in life. It it, it is, it's not easy but I really feel entertained. You keep me on the edge of my seat. I, always I appreciate have a drink that, when I'm listening to your show I love it. I love it. Thank you, you William.
1: And Rita Crosby, and, and Curtis Lee Mice. I'm, I'm not you. familiar with them, but thank you. 800 Frank is in California. Hello, Frank. Frank, you had your um, Sheldon Evans earlier. Yes, I'm and, aware.
0: Other than that, Frank... I just know you from the radio, and you seem like a real family-oriented man, and that's great. I've got this guy fooled. But uh, before Donald Trump was a politician, he had accusations back then. He was accused of rape before he was a politician.
1: Yeah, I I do think there's a a different level of of scrutiny that he's facing since being in politics. You disagree, I guess.
0: Yes, because— Back then, he was mixed in with uh, Jeffrey Epstein, and they're both, you know, I don't know other than what I read on the internet. And they're both listed on Wikipedia, which, you know, if it was a big deal and I was a billionaire, I would sue him, tell him, you know, take it off of there. But for some reason, it's still there. What's, and this is way before he was a politician, so there's a lot.
1: What's the. guy made? has a lot going. What's the And uh, people should really be careful with him. All right. Well, uh, we, we, you've all been warned. Everybody be careful. Frank says so. 800 Speaking of California, let's say hello to Alex in California. Hello there, Alex. Hi, Frank. Thanks for
3: taking my call. I wanted to uh, say that I agree with your commendation for the Taliban government. And I also wanted to add that the United States has frozen three and a half billion dollars of money that actually belongs to the Afghan people. And since the Taliban government represents the Afghan people, the United States should release it to the Taliban. No, no foreign power is imposing the Taliban on the on the Afghans. That government exists because the Afghan people want that type of government. And uh, and also, I want to say that for the actions of the American government that hurt the Afghan people, by, for example, freezing these funds, the American people deserve collective punishment in the same way that the Palestinians deserve collective punishment for the actions of their Hamas government toward the Israeli people. Uh,
1: Yeah, Alex, I I think that is such a dangerous view. And I'm sure you're aware, it sounds like you pay attention to uh, world affairs pretty closely. That was precisely bin Laden's justification for carrying out attacks on innocent people. In, during September 11th, he said that uh, it wasn't just the United States government that he took issue with for the terrible things that it was doing, but it was the people that elected these leaders that made those decisions. I mean, I I think uh, it was wrong when Bin Laden was using that as a justification to attack innocent people, and I think it's wrong to hold people, uh, you know, responsible for the actions of Hamas as well.
3: Well if If you support a government, as the American people supports their government, and that government uh, commits uh, something that is grossly inappropriate, the American people are responsible. That part of bin Laden's statement, if uh, if you quoted him correctly, that part is logical and it makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I don't think so, Alex. Right.
1: I mean, look, I um, I vote for who I want to vote for. You vote for who you want to vote for. And if someone wins with a plurality that I didn't vote for, not even a majority, a plurality, as they had the last time there was an election in Gaza. And, you know, as is always, as usually the case in non-ranked choice voting elections in New York, if someone wins with a plurality and then they make poor decisions that hurt other people, I don't think that I, as an innocent person, that tried to steer the ship of government in the correct manner, I don't think I should be murdered because someone I didn't vote for makes a decision that I didn't approve of. Do you?
3: Well, then before you are punished for the actions of your government, you should use your uh, efforts to remove that government. If you know that your own government has committed a serious wrong, then you've got to remove it immediately.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm trying. I'm trying, Alex. And yet our government is still doing a lot of things that I don't like. I don't think that makes me a candidate for um, being blown up by a terrorist. And either more, any more than, first of all, in in, in Gaza, they haven't even had elections in um, at least in almost, a de- in, uh, almost 20 years. So I think a lot of the people that are living there now didn't vote in that election. Hamas barely won the election back in, um, you know, in 2005 or 2006. And a lot of the half the people that live in Gaza were not even old enough to vote in that election. So I I think to say, oh, screw all the Palestinians or, or, or if you don't. I mean, that's such a charged issue right now. What's going on in the Middle East? With any group, I don't believe that you should be able to be held accountable. Innocent people should be able to be held accountable for the actions of their government. That goes for the Ukrainians. That goes for the Russians. That goes for Americans. That goes for the Israelis. That goes for uh, the Palestinians. I'm sorry. I I think that's such a a dangerous philosophy. I thought it was dangerous when Blodden said it. I think it's dangerous when Alex says it. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. 848 The original Rick is in original Jersey. Hi, Rick. Hey, good morning, Frank. Good morning, morning. Uh,
0: And happy uh, birthday to your son. Thank you. you know, by the way, it is on the 25th. Anyway.
1: We'll agree to yeah, disagree.
0: Okay, alright. But um, about, I don't know if you remember, speaking of dementia, I uh, sent you a box of very expensive Death Wish coffee at one time.
1: Yeah, here's what happened. Um, Christian, who was our producer at the time, was keeping it in his locker, and then he was planning to come back when he gave his notice, and they basically told him, no, that's okay, you don't have to come back. And he never was able to get the stuff that was in the locker, which did include the Death Wish coffee. Now, I don't know what became of the stuff that was in that locker, but I don't think I got to, uh, I, I, I don't think I got to sample it.
0: Right. Well, the reason I'm asking is because now uh, I'm, I'm aware of that. You only drink one cup a week. What, what brought that around? What, cause I, Frank, I have read over and over cause you're worried about dementia. I've read over and over article after article. It staves off dementia. Well, two cups a day. I, I've seen well that as, as colon well. Cancer, as yeah, well as colon I,
1: cancer. Yeah. I've seen that as well. And I'll probably go back there. Ultimately it was, um, Two things. I mean, it was multiple things, but it was it was two things. I had experimented with giving up coffee before. Uh, Carol Alts, she was very anti coffee, and uh, Doctor Douglas Howard, who I would talk with a lot when um, when Balance of Nature was advertising on a show that I hosted, he would he kind of got me convinced of coffee's, you know, that I shouldn't be doing it. But then I read the same kind of things that you do, and I made the decision that coffee was. Uh, still a net positive. But here's what the two things were. One, I would, you know, I work these odd hours, and Mm -hmm. I would get home and be unable to fall asleep because of all the coffee that I would be drinking all day and all evening. And I would be wide awake, and then it would screw me up. It would screw me up. I, I finally would be able to fall asleep, And then it would screw me up the next day. It would create this cycle. It's almost like how I used to hear about celebrities taking drugs to get up and then take drugs to go to sleep. And it would create this cycle of me not being able to sleep because I was drinking it at night. And then uh, the other thing was – and now since I don't drink it during the week – i go home and from the moment i set my head on the pillow i am able to fall asleep almost immediately um, oh
0: that is good for you the and other thing me, you know
1: the other thing was uh, i was having a problem with uh, with heartburn and or acid reflux not not heartburn mm. specifically but um, acid reflux and so what i did was i gave up everything that contributed to acid reflux uh, red sauce um, citrus, bourbon, um, anything that was a trigger for acid reflux. Gradually, and, and it works. It stopped immediately without any kind of medication or anything. And then gradually, I've been restoring all of the things that um, that I removed. And I have, I, I, you know, again, some weeks maybe I'll do two cups. But those were the primary reasons is the need to be able to sleep when I go home and to trying to avoid you know avoid acid reflux oh and uh, the other thing was i went to give blood cuz i give blood regularly and i gave blood and they found that i had high blood pressure and you know I, again i i do eat cheese which is not great for your blood pressure but i when i gave up caffeine or uh, coffee basically gave it up i still have a cup a week i they found that uh, that I didn't have the high blood pressure. So I didn't have the acid reflux anymore. I didn't have any trouble sleeping anymore. And I didn't have any high blood pressure anymore. So, I mean, I think on the whole, I'm not anti-coffee. But for me, the way that I was using coffee, I don't think it turned out well for me. Matt, you're not a coffee guy, right?
2: No, I I never drink coffee ever. I I can't stand it. I can't even stand the smell of it. See, I love the smell.
1: I love the smell. And and I, I like the taste. I drink it black. I love it. That's a real treat for me on um, on Saturday or Sunday, sometimes both, to read the paper, sit on the porch, and uh, drink coffee. And, you know, we had Gary Korb from Cigar Advisor on this show. And before he mentioned this, I would never have thought about this, especially during the summer. There's something so great about sitting on the front porch, smoking a cigar— and enjoying a nice cup of coffee. There's just something about the way the cigar hits your palate and the coffee hits your palate. It's just a real. It's maybe even better than bourbon and a cigar, which I thought was the bee's knees. You're not a cigar guy either, right, Matt? No, no. We um, are better off. Better off without it. 808-4892-22 four eight ninety two twenty two. We'll continue with your calls straight ahead.
0: The other side of midnight. Other side at midnight with Frank Marano. I keep my hands on myself.
1: got an SMS text message here from a few people that said my remarks about Gary Korb were cut off a minute or two ago. If you're listening live, two things. One, you're not going to believe what I said. It was amazing. Really profound, really interesting, really different. The only way to hear the exciting conclusion of that really interesting Gary Korb anecdote is to listen to the podcast of this radio program. Uh, You can search the podcast at the other side of midnight, you know, on Shazam, iTunes, anywhere. Hit the subscribe button, especially if you're one of our listeners on KMOX in St. Louis, which only carries this show on Mondays. Congratulations, Missouri, celebrating your Mondays with Murano. But uh, you should be subscribing to this podcast on a daily basis. But if you want to hear the rest of that Gary Corb anecdote, listen to the podcast. That's the way to do it. You can also go to redapplepodcastnetwork.com and just search the other side of midnight. You know, I um found myself awake, you know, because of these odd hours at uh, in the middle of the night. I think on Friday is Saturday night into Sunday morning. And I ended up watching, I don't know how I never saw this before. I ended up watching the Clint Eastwood movie The Mule. I am such a dweeb for Clint Eastwood. I am the biggest Clint Eastwood nerd there is. I don't know how I didn't see this. It's about 5 years old and it was the first time that um Clint Eastwood had directed himself on screen in years. And he's done a number of films since then that I have seen which I've I've loved. I love Clint Eastwood. And if you're a Clint Eastwood fan, it got mediocre reviews and mostly positive. It's worth seeing this if you're a Clint Eastwood fan just because of the acting. Um, The story is relatively simple. It's totally predictable, but Clint Eastwood is great in it. So is Bradley Cooper. So is Lawrence Fishburne. So is Andy Garcia. So is Diane Weist. It is totally predictable, but it's a great film if you like Clint Eastwood. Like every Clint Eastwood movie, the music is so wonderful. The music is great. And the story, even though it's simple, it's actually based on a true story. It's about an old man, about an 88 year old man that became a drug mule. And in, in many ways, it's kind of just your typical morality play. But, you know, that's part of what I like about Clint Eastwood movies. You don't have to wonder what the ending means. It's very, very simple, very easy to understand. So I saw it on Netflix, um, streaming, obviously, not the DVD. It's called The Mule, it's from 2018. I enjoyed it. If you're a Clint Eastwood fan, I think you'll like it, too. Until next hour, your influence counts. Use it.
0: Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime.